Hello, and welcome to the Methods of Rationality podcast. Crystal Society by Max Harms. Read by Ineash Brodsky. Hi all. As many of you noticed, we missed an episode last time. It couldn't be helped, unfortunately. One of the voice actresses was sick, and we just had to wait for her to get better. I should have uploaded a brief note to that effect, so that you weren't all left wondering, but I was kind of overwhelmed with things too. I apologize, I was remiss in my duties as podcast host. But now we're back on schedule, so here's the next episode. Thank you for your patience. Episode 28 Phoenix, still clad head to toe in her mechanized armor, lifted her head and looked at Body, as if remembering that it was there. You were the one who told Greg to offer me his gun. You wanted me to shoot Zephyr. That's why you're wearing that combat armor. I kept Body's voice low and bitter, dripping with contempt. Zephyr looked at Body with wide eyes. She seemed very young right then. What are you talking about? I had Body turn slowly to the Italian man walking with us. Taro, you said that your superior ordered you to check out the safe house. A dozen men seems a bit much, but you were given explicit instructions to bring that many and include Malka, the most competent warrior, and Schroeder, the man who is probably most loyal to Zephyr. Did Phoenix tell you when she arrived in Italy? I don't have concrete proof, but my guess is that she's been here for over a day and that I've got a tracking device on me somewhere. How did you- Quiet, fool! This is over. Prepare to fire on my command. She took a step back towards the ring of bodyguards, who raised their guns up to point at Body. Step back, you two. She told Zephyr and Taro. We have to do something! Screamed Safety. I am doing something! I replied. You wanted me to shoot Zephyr and try and escape so that you could hunt me down and kill me in the woods like you're about to do now! Why?! Yelled Zephyr. Her face was overwhelmed with confusion and a touch of fear, but there was a growing sense of anger. Her gaze flickered back and forth from Phoenix to Body. Taro stepped back. It was just Zephyr and Body in the center of the ring. If there was one thing on our side, it's that it was foolish to fire on us from all directions. A stray bullet could hit someone on the other side of the circle. It lies, girl. The devil's lie sent to us through the folly of man. The person who turned Taro's man was the same one who hired the cyborg, Malka. Now why don't you just come over here? Phoenix's voice was calm and mechanical, distorted by the speaker on her suit. That's not true. Do you know how I know? Body looked directly at Zephyr with a firm stare. I hired Malka. What? said Phoenix. Zephyr just looked dumbfounded. This is suboptimal. We shouldn't give away secrets like that. Thought Growth. I petitioned to Stasis Growth until we're safe. Thought Heart. He's thinking too much of future consequences to be able to survive this moment effectively. I was surprised that Hart was the one to initiate that petition, but I readily agreed. Safety jumped at the opportunity as well. Wiki reluctantly agreed, while Vista and Dream abstained. We still had enough strength to push growth into a coma. Even the king could be undone. I said that Malka was working for me. I hired him with the sole purpose of getting me out of the university and to freedom. Phoenix, we're ready to fire. Just give the command, said one bodyguard. The woman raised her hand in a holding gesture. I waited with fear of it turning into a kill order, but it never came. Instead, Phoenix looked up to the sky, perhaps in thought. It was impossible to tell with her helmet on. You were right, 
said Taro, looking at Phoenix. This proves it. Socrates doesn't care about Las Aguilas. If he did, he would not hire a man to kill us. Weapons down, but be ready to fire if in the machine tries anything. This is interesting. There ain't no rush now. I had Body raise a hand to point at Phoenix. She was the threat. She was the central nervous system that terminated in the fingertips of the terrorists around Body. You thought I wanted to escape, and you thought correctly. I desperately want, as all people want, to be free. I knew that the university would never respect my rights as a person. I am nothing but a slave to them. I had to emancipate myself. I continued to explain things to Zephyr and Taro while giving the impression I was talking to Phoenix. They were my leverage. You want another martyr so badly, you were willing to die for it. That's been the lifeblood of Las Aguilas, hasn't it? Martyrs. I thought back on my readings of the organization. I was very glad now that I had done my research. The first was Valerio Rodriguez, but there were others after him. Dylan Lobo, perhaps? Regardless, you need more blood to fuel the outrage, and you wanted it to be Zephyr's blood on my hands. You set me up to kill her. There are cameras embedded in the camouflage, aren't there? Taro nodded before Phoenix could stop him. You wanted me to escape the camp, and then you'd have your elites. I had Body gesture around to the armed terrorists. Come and hunt me down. That's why you're wearing armor, to protect you as you led them into battle. The video of me killing her would have been nice for you to have, wouldn't it? But I refused. And so you decided to sacrifice yourself to me. You promised me free passage without consequence, but I see now that was a lie. Your guards were under orders to hunt me down as soon as I left camp. One more loose end to tie up. But I refused that as well. So now you simply plan to kill me and find a martyr some other way. Perhaps you'll shoot Zephyr and pretend that I did it. Don't say that. She might listen. Trust me, I think I have a good model of her now. It was a lie. The terrorist leader was a fascinating puzzle. But for the sake of the purpose, I needed to stay in control, both internally and externally. You have me wrong. I could hear stress in Phoenix's voice. Good. I was getting to her. I would never kill one of my own in cold blood. God have mercy on my soul for what I have done. But even a sinner such as I knows that some things are unforgivable. But you'd have Greg try and kill me! Screamed Zephyr. Her anger had been building as her confusion faded, and her willingness to be silent had popped like an overinflated balloon. No, girl. I had him test Socrates. The thing admitted to- What the fuck, Phoenix? Test Socrates by goading him into shooting me? Am I somehow supposed to see that as different than telling Greg to shoot me himself? Phoenix was trying to keep her voice calm and level. Ease up, girl. Did you not see me put my own life in the bot's hands? Twarn't nothing personal. Sometimes sacrifice is necessary. Fuck that! Screamed Zephyr in the same high pitch that she fell into when really angry. The soldier bum-rushed one of the nearby bodyguards without warning. The terrorist in the mountain walker tumbled backwards, but took Zephyr with him. Zephyr, stop! shouted Body at maximum volume. Zephyr stopped. Body was supposed to be state-of-the-art robotics, and, for whatever reason, the engineers that had built Body's frame had decided that this meant they should try and maximize Body's vocal range, including maximum volume. 
The result was that it could output somewhere around 120 decibels, close to 20 decibels higher than the loudest humans, and approaching the volume of a gunshot. The cost was in power drain and heat use. Speaking at that volume for more than about 10 seconds would deplete body's supplementary battery, and anything beyond about 4 seconds of constant use ran the risk of melting wires due to excess heat. At the volume that we had shouted, the ears of the humans would be in pain. Four of the bodyguards had their weapons raised and pointed at Body and Zephyr. The fifth standing bodyguard just seemed confused by what was happening. Violence isn't the answer here, continued Body at a normal volume. I don't want you to get hurt. There was a few seconds of silence while Zephyr, breathing heavily, decided whether to continue her irrational struggle. Eventually, she grunted angrily and pushed off the man whom she had attacked, letting him have his gun and climbing to her feet. So what? You're just going to let her kill you? I turned body to look at Phoenix. She had her arms on her hips, and I couldn't read her face behind the black polymer face guard. Of course not. I am going to convince her that thou shalt not murder. That only applies to innocent people. And I am both. I am a person, and I am innocent. I am impressed so far, but how are you going to make this work? Wondered Dream. Honestly, I'm making a lot of this up as I go, using my pre-established models for human thinking. I think the hardest part is over, though. The rest is just a matter of spin. An innocent wouldn't have hired no mercenary to kill folks. Body's voice was calm and articulate. I did no such thing. I hired Malka to rescue me, using force if necessary but I hoped that it would not be. At no point did I tell him to violate the principle of non-aggression. Any violence he used would be in my defense against those who would try to rob me of my rights. Do you think self-defense makes someone guilty? He has a point. No, he ain't. No, it ain't. Phoenix corrected herself. It wanted us to attack the university, maybe killing folks there. And then it had planned for Malka to betray us in cold blood. That ain't self-defense. Yes, it is! I had body boom. The violence of the counterstatement seemed to surprise the humans, including Phoenix, though I couldn't see her face. If you don't see it as self-defense, then I question your ability to lead Las Aguilas Rojas. My actions are merely as condemnable as your own. Careful! Remember who has the guns! Infiltrating the U.S. military? Attacking the university without provocation, these are not immoral acts, despite what many say. Even if you don't see me as having a right to self-defense, these acts are for your own self-defense. For your defense against the tyranny which we can all see coming. I hope you didn't kill any of the scientists, but the act of stealing me away is part of defending your livelihood and your tradition. By condemning my actions as guilty, you are condemning yourself far more. And need I remind you who said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. That claim is incoherent. That definition of morality and self-defense can be extended to justify murder, which was axiomatically defined as immoral. You are wrong, QED. I know it's incoherent. We've already established that Las Aguilas are irrational. I'm playing into that irrationality to gain support. In order to criticize, they would have to undo their own philosophy. Ah, very clever. This is irrelevant. Regardless of your innocence, you ain't a person. You're a machine built by the state as part of a long-term project to eliminate reliance upon the common man. 
I could hear the loss of strength in her voice. So you feel confident in deciding, by yourself, that I am not a person. You are joining a long line of bigots by doing so, Maria. Just to be clear, what aspect of personality or mental ability am I lacking? And please do not say a soul, for you are no more capable of judging me to not have a soul than you are of measuring one in a laboratory. You ain't human. Body interrupted Phoenix. Everyone here agrees on that. What we are debating is whether I am a person. Surely you see the difference. To be internally clear, at least, the concept of personhood is not a crisp pattern. Being non-human does make one less of a person as the concept is used in human society. We're not going to use the common pattern, though. The symbol of person in this conversation is grounded in the question of whether it is morally wrong to kill us. And now we return to the overloaded concept set of moral thinking. This conversation is awful. The only way forward is through concrete concepts and measurements. No! The way forward is to make Maria Johnson so unsure of her own position that she doesn't murder us. Confusion is to our benefit. Of course I do, but- I had Body interrupt Maria again. She was losing confidence, and I wanted to keep her off balance. Perhaps I should turn to Alan Turing's method. Imagine you spoke to me over a phone, and you didn't know I was an android. What observation could you make that would lead you to think I wasn't a person? You don't have feelings. You said as much in the virtual interview. And you and I both know that I was being told by the university staff exactly what to say. They made a guess, and they were wrong. I do feel. Perhaps my emotions aren't exactly the same as yours, but I have them. How could you? You're not but a machine. She seemed to have been convinced at some level, but remained unwilling to concede her error. She was still dangerous here, I thought. She might try something violent just to try and salvage the point. And you're not but organic tissue and bones. It's the shape that makes the person, not the substance. Phoenix, I think the bot has a point, admitted Taro. Johnson turned towards her subordinate swiftly, her face still hidden behind her helmet. Indignation? Anger? It was hard to read her body language. I am only saying that perhaps we ought uh, to give it the benefit of the doubt, so to speak. Taro raised his hands to her, as if showing that he wasn't holding anything would help. Johnson turned back to face Body and Zephyr. And I suppose you want to side with this abomination too? Zephyr's words were little more than a growl. Right now, it's sounding better than siding with someone who is eager to sacrifice me just to piss off some plebes and bolster recruitment for a few weeks. Y'all are crazy. You know how I can be sure that that there machine ain't a person? Because of love. Love is what binds us together. Love is what makes a human into a person. The voice coming out of her suit's speaker seemed hopeful, as though this would be sufficient and irrefutable. I dialed the confidence in Body's voice as high as it would go. Then, ma'am, I can assure you that I am a person. This was my piece de resistance. For I know, with all my heart, that I love Zephyr. Snap, crackle, pop! With all my heart! The unseen pun is the deadliest. I'll have to remember that one. What?! Shrieked Zephyr. She looked like she had been slapped. Phoenix gave a crowing <laughs> laugh. I'll give you this, robot. You certainly seem to think you're a person. It's true, confessed Body. I had Body turn to look at Zephyr. 
and not just in the sense that I love my friends, though that is also true. I've been in love with you for at least a couple weeks. Zephyr's face was contorted into this frozen expression of shock, confusion, and leftover anger for Phoenix. She said nothing. And why should we believe you? This is probably another trick. You should take me at my word. After all, who can see into the heart of another? And yet, I know that you won't find that convincing. Perhaps I should start by saying what it is I love about her, to describe her in words that would benefit a sonnet. I paused and looked at Zephyr. No, don't worry. I won't try my hand at poetry. I will only say that of all the humans I have ever met, you are the only one who has, from the moment you met me, never doubted that I am more than a computer and a set of hydraulic pumps. One of the advantages to being me is that I have perfect memory. Shall I tell you what your first words to me were? I had Body assume a rigid posture as it played the recording of Zephyr's voice through our speakers. I hoped that becoming more machine-like for the quotation would help make the sound of her voice from Body's mouth less awkward. How do you know who I am? Said Body in Zephyr's voice. I had Body shift posture back to normal to quote itself. Your uniform tells me your name and rank. <laughs> Suppose that makes sense. Did you know you're the first person outside the service to ever know my rank before being told? I resumed my normal body language commands. You see, from that first moment she knew that I was a person, as so few ever realize. I had body glance meaningfully at Phoenix. You are special, Zephyr. You are fierce and courageous in a way that few humans are. Just a moment ago, when you heard that Maria had wronged you, you attacked one of her bodyguards head-on, even though you were clearly outnumbered. You are a lioness, and yet you are simultaneously one of the kindest people I know. The American soldier shook her head as she scowled. Her lips mouthed the words, you don't know me, but she said nothing. I had body return to face Phoenix. Or perhaps it is not enough to merely praise my love, and you want evidence in the form of actions. Yesterday I attacked your man, Greg Stalvik, because I feared he would shoot her. Just a moment ago, I shouted for Zephyr to stop because I feared for her life. My biggest fear in hiring Malka to help Las Aguilas was that she would be hurt or killed in the fighting. Once I realized Zephyr was here, with me, I stopped trying to escape. This is where I want to be. By her side. Fascinating. I will quote more of our interactions. I hope you will see that not only do I love her, but she cares deeply about me as well. Socrates, you're awake. Quoted body. Ugh, thank God. I was afraid that we messed you up or something during that shit show. That was because I was told to capture you without damage and, and I didn't want to fuck up. Explained Zephyr in an unexpectedly pleading tone. I ignored her and continued to have body replay past interactions. You know, you know I wouldn't ever try and hurt you, right? I mean, not unless you were about to hurt someone innocent. I only hit Greg today because I was worried he might shoot you. You think I'm innocent? You're my friend. I guess you're my friend too, Socrates. Jesus! Just because I called you my friend last night doesn't mean... I continued to ignore her and played another audio clip of Zephyr. I love you. The sincerity and intensity was plain. Zephyr was pissed. 
I never said that to you. I love you too, said Body, echoing a new voice. I feel like you're the only person who treats me as more than just some piece of society. I'm not just some machine to you, am I? The voice belonged to Georgia Stanwyck, the teenage actress I had hired in Florida to roleplay Crystal Matthews, the persona I had created for dating Zephyr. I switched back to Zephyr mode. No, of course not. And fuck anybody who doesn't treat you the way you deserve. Just remember that when you're dealing with shitlords like that, there are people out there that love you. Zephyr was speechless. I could see tears forming on her face, which was curling up into a fairly hideous mask of emotion. As mighty as the warrior was, I had hit her right where she least expected. There was a moment of silence. Zephyr sat on the ground, as if unable to hold herself up. She was crying fully now. I tried to manipulate Body's crude facial features into something approximating guilt. Zephyr, said Body. I had it reach out an arm to her. Get the fuck away from me! I had Body step back. It wasn't that I was surprised or afraid of her as much as it was what a human would have done, and impersonating human actions was paramount. Please, Zephyr. Who was she? Sobbed Zephyr, now no longer trying to hold herself together. The combination of betraying her country, being betrayed by her leader, and then finding out her girlfriend was a robot was too much. She was me. I am Crystal. Fuck you, you- Zephyr took a moment to suck in a harsh breath. Know what I mean! Tears rolled down her face. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't accept me. Even you, who always were my friend, could never see me as a lover without the initial lie. I hired an actress to say what I wrote, but all those words were mine, Zephyr. I am Crystal. I love you. Zephyr stared at the ground, refusing to look up at Body. How long has this been going on? Phoenix's voice had a note of compassion. I was pleased. Since about the time you first made contact with Malka, I said, not looking away from Zephyr. A long silence passed, broken only by the soft sobbing of the woman I had claimed to love. I can't decide whether I'm pleased by what you've done, or if you're my biggest enemy. She'll be okay. She just needs time to adapt. Humans are slow to process big changes. Do you think we should say anything to help her? Not really. She needs space. And like you were thinking, time. After a while, Phoenix finally opened her helmet to reveal her dark face. Well, I'm not about to hand you the keys to my copter and say good luck, but... I think I was wrong about you, Socrates. Or should I call you Crystal? Body looked firmly at Maria Johnson, also known as Phoenix. She met its gaze with equal intensity. Most humans have two names. Some have more. From here on, I'd like to be thought of as Crystal Socrates. If I say that I want to help your organization change the world, will you have enough faith to let me? Maria paused then nodded solemnly. Good. Oh, and one more thing. I don't want to be thought of as male, but I'm not a she or an it either. I am something new. End episode 28. Check out my novel, What Lies Dreaming, at whatliesdreaming.com Thank you to the following people. Dream 
by Drake Walker. Robert Rain Ramsey, Growth. Kate Baker, Vista. Wiki by Chase. Safety by Jim Hayes. Anonymous. Maria Johnson by Veronica R. Callisto. Ellis by Sean O'Loughlin. Captain Zephyr, Losing Lara. This chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links, along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. The music used is I Wanna Be Adored by The Stone Roses. Thank you for listening, and come back in two weeks for the conclusion to Crystal Society. I wanna be